Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. Today, I'm here with Austin McCullough. Austin is a 23-year-old entrepreneur who, by the age of 20, had already begun his executive career. He is also the principal consultant and founder of Austin McCullough Advising, which is a human capital consulting firm that is on a mission to help sales professionals, such as financial advisors and entrepreneurs, achieve their full potential. As Austin always says, life is much more fulfilling when you begin to realize what you're capable of. So he wants everyone to see this for themselves. Today, we'll be discussing how to ask someone to mentor you, how much time you should ask your mentors for, how to find mentors on LinkedIn, and much, much more. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for being here, Austin. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Mark. I'm excited to talk today. And I'd love to jump right in. One of our last conversations, you started a a story about a mentor that when you struck it on your own, really made an impact on your life. Can you tell me more about that? Sure. I I could talk all day on this, but I'm very grateful for a man named Jason Bohannon. So I'm from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and uh, he he came from a family that I was familiar with growing up. Um, He was a very, came from a very successful basketball family. And he's someone who was in the financial services industry, which I was excited to get into at the time. Um, But that was also at a period of my life where um, I had just come back from tearing my ACL a second time. I had kind of an identity crisis where I really didn't know how to pursue life going forward. I wasn't focused on my career. I wasn't focused on academics. I was only focused on athletics. And when I started working with him, he gave me a lot of clarity into life. Um, one of the biggest takeaways was not to burn bridges, you know, being mm-hmm. a young athlete. Sometimes you can have a little bit of spunk to your personality. And, you know, that's okay sometimes, but especially in business, you know, just because somebody doesn't get back to you, just because they have to bail on a meeting or they have to cancel or reschedule, you know, that doesn't mean you get upset with them. It doesn't mean that they're a bad person. So it's important just to come from um, a point of understanding and not taking it personally. And he taught me many other lessons, but right now that's the one that. Uh, really stands out to me. Why do you think that was such a successful relationship? You know, truly, I think it's because he's such a caring person. He's incredibly smart. He's very gifted. um, But he was incredibly patient. And a lot of people aren't, especially nowadays. And so the fact that he came from such a caring and patient place, he was willing to answer all of my questions. And given that I went from being this very driven person for my athletic career and now I wanted to put that drive into my real business career. I, of course, had a lot of drive behind that. I had a lot of motivation um, to pursue something. So I was asking him multiple questions all day, every day. And of course, I was allowing him time to work. It's not like I was sending him <laughs> a day. But I mean, all days of the week, he always made himself accessible. So what he showed me truly, to summarize it all, is he showed me, showed me what true leadership was like. Um, He's someone who he was there for you no matter what. And I I just truly, even to this day, being a 23 year old, I can't think of a better example of a leader that I've, that I've worked with. How did you find him? So he works with a company called Primerica, which is a financial Mm -hmm. services company. And I, you know, at the time I was wanting to go to school for finance and rather than go work at, <clears throat> say, a Subway or a Ponchero, some part-time job just for a little bit of income, I figured I'd get started in the financial services industry as a financial advisor to gain real-world experience. And it was fully worth it. And so that's just kind of how I, I ran into it. 
What about the other side of the coin? You had mentioned there were three younger people that you had mentored. What, what were the dynamics of those relationships? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have mentored multiple young men about the middle school age, one through Big Brothers Big Sisters, um, one when I was <clears throat> at Iowa Central Community College, and then I have also mentored um, a younger called associate friend of mine who's a couple years younger than I am. Of course, the three young men, um, that was more in just kind of giving them guidance to move forward, make sure to be around the right groups in school, making sure to um, be respectful with whoever they came into contact with because some of them, um, maybe they didn't have a whole family figure around, right? So both parents or the siblings, maybe not everybody was in touch. Um, So really giving them clarity and support in whatever aspect they needed. And then, like I said, the the younger friend of mine, uh, he's someone who's very ambitious as well, but he comes from um, a family that maybe isn't full of of presidents of the United States, right? Mm-hmm. And so he he's very ambitious, and so his parents didn't necessarily see the vision that he had. And because I have a vision like that, my parents, once again, they're not governors for the state of Iowa or anything like that. Um, I understood what he needed which was basically to have more patience and helping them come along and see from his point of view. So as I'm sure you understand, Mark, um, a lot of the time, if you're a young, ambitious person coming from a family that doesn't exactly have the vision that you have, it's very frustrating because you get very excited and you're really um, opportunistic to pursue any opportunity that's presented to you and they don't necessarily see it from the same light. And so you just have to continuously and consistently portray that vision and how important it is to you. And eventually they come around. Even nowadays, my parents completely understand where I come from. They understand why when I'm back home, I need to shut the door. I need to have time to myself a little bit. Of course, not all day, but I need to have a little bit of time to myself because that's what works best for me. That's how I can get into a flow state. So basically just using clear, effective communication can go a long, long ways. And that's what I've been teaching to anybody who I've mentored. How do you, how do you define clear and effective communication? Clear and honest, honest. So if you um, are thinking something, say it. So that goes in line with transparency. But yeah, like I said before, in line with honesty, I can't stand when people lie. You know, if anything, it's just inefficient. Um, It's not exactly moral. And so I just think it's very important to be very honest and very transparent, as well as the more that you're reading, the more that you engage in intellectual conversations, you build on your vocabulary so that uh, the more expansive your vocabulary is, then you can have an intelligent conversation that is able to portray the idea that you actually have, rather than uh, not being able to put together a good few sentences because you don't know which word to use. Well, with, with all the mentoring experiences you've had, is, was mentoring always in your DNA? Because some people say they, it was, it was, they just did it. Other people stumble across it somewhere in college. What, how did, what is mentoring to you? I mean, did you always do it or did you stumble across it? Funny enough, I would say that I did not start off with mentorship in my DNA. <clears throat> what I mean by that is, unfortunately, I was actually very selfish growing up. But then towards my later years in high school, going into college, that really started to shift. And I realized how important it is to give back to other people. So especially as my career started to develop and I started to get a better head on my shoulders, I stopped and and thought to myself, you know, um, things are going well for me. I'm very fortunate to have grown up with two very loving, caring parents. 
And so I think it's time to start giving back. So even like I said, even from being a, what was it, a freshman in college, I started meeting with these individuals to start helping them um, move to that point of their lives. Because like I said, with Jason, who mentored me, you know, if I didn't have Jason in my life, who knows where I'd be at right now. And so I just, I want to be that one person because sometimes one person is all it takes. So I always encourage other people. This doesn't mean that you have to go make a full-time job out of it. I get people have busy lives, but if you can go dedicate one or two hours a week towards a younger individual who might not be as fortunate as you are, I mean, you could change their entire life trajectory. And that's something that we should all strive for. Did you seek the younger people out or did they find you? Um, I actually sought them out because like I said, um, you know, I'm not walking around through middle schools, so I didn't exactly know who might need mentorship help. So whatever community I was in, I reached out to the program, for example, in Iowa City, uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, just to get in contact and, and they have a matchmaking service. They find a, um, a younger child who might be a better fit for you. You can kind of go from there. And then, like I said, my young friend, um, a third party, another friend got us in contact. And it wasn't even like we got into the relationship with intending for it to be kind of mentorship-like. That's just the way that it, uh, um, that it turned out. And I, I also know, and you just mentioned it all too, that reading is important to you. What, if, you were to, if you were to offer up one book that you think everyone should read, what would it be and why? Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I'm sure many people have not heard of Napoleon Hill, or at least they know his whole backstory. I know his name's pretty familiar. Um, but many people have heard of Andrew Carnegie. So Andrew Carnegie actually mentored Napoleon Hill, right? And he saw something in Napoleon, and he could tell that Napoleon, you know, got it. So he commissioned Napoleon to go out and interview many, many successful people at the time, like Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, to figure out what made them so successful. And he took all of this information and he combined it into 13 success principles. That's a book that, I mean, is above and beyond any other book that I've read. It has a powerful secret in it that I always challenge people. Literally on a weekly basis, I challenge people to try and figure it out. I never tell anyone though, um, because it's much more profound when you come across it, but that book changed my life. <clears throat> between reading and mentoring you're, you're one of the more self-aware people I've met and you're on the younger side as far as the self-awareness goes talk about why self-awareness is so important to you maybe a few tips if people want to get to know themselves better it's so important because as I always say having weaknesses isn't what makes or breaks you not knowing how to deal with those weaknesses does and you're not going to know what your weaknesses are if you're not self-aware as a little story I could tell you, I'll keep it short. I had a college football coach when I played uh, football at the community college and we were having a weightlifting session one morning at five in the morning. And I remember I said something to him and he turned around and he goes, Austin, you are uncoachable. And he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong at all, actually. Um, there's a reason why I was always the next guy in. I didn't start there. It wasn't that I didn't have the athletic ability. It was the fact that I was uncoachable and wasn't willing to follow um, the way that they wanted their players to play. And because my self-awareness was so low at the time, I didn't realize that it was all on me. And so I didn't take accountability. So even some people, they often talk about what's one of the best skills to be successful. And some say accountability, but I say you can't be accountable if you're not self-aware. So especially in times like this with the coronavirus going around, it's very unfortunate for many people, for many families, but what I say is just to take this time as a, as a growth opportunity. 
Use it for self-discovery so that you can understand yourself better and raise your level of self-awareness, which will positively impact every single area of your life. So how did you become coachable and self-aware? I mean, if you go from uncoachable to coachable, how did that happen? I think it was taking an honest look at where I was at in life and realizing that I was far behind the curve compared to my peers. I didn't take school seriously growing up. And so I knew that if I wanted to go have a successful life like I wanted to, not live an average lifestyle, that I was going to have to change something. And a lot of that, like I said, um, in one of our previous talks just came through a self-discovery period where I went about a month long without any social media. And I remember I wasn't close with my friends growing up, um, the ones from high school. So even the ones from the community college, the ones from high school, like I just mentioned, um, I wasn't communicating with them much anymore. So I went about a whole month where I only spoke with my, my parents and the front desk workers at the gym, because this was a transition period between the community college and going to the University of Iowa. Yeah. So it was a huge uh, reflection period. I can see it in your face. You're shocked. But um, this was a huge reflection period where, you know, honestly, honestly, what brought on the self-awareness and, and the accountability was if people aren't reaching out to you, it's because they don't like you. And oh. I got closed off. I got closed off um, going into uh, the community college just for uh, a lot of reasons. And I knew that, you know what, as much as I like to think that I'm right in some situations, if people aren't reaching out, then, then I need to change my ways. So it's just taking that, uh, that ownership, which often isn't the most comfortable, but it helped a lot. What kind of changes did you make when you, when you say change your ways? What kind of changes did you make? I never read growing up. So I started reading. I started actively reading. I started actually paying attention to finance outlets, for example, Investopedia, um, Yahoo Finance, and those are, of course, more on the technical side. But then I also, I, I took time to actually start paying attention to what others thought and what they had to say. Because even though now I'm so really talkative, I'm less talkative than I used to be growing up. I would just talk and talk and talk. I didn't care what anybody else had to say. But now I actually talk and have conversations and I care to listen. So when somebody says something, I take some time to actually process it, which made me realize that I wasn't coming from an empathetic place before, but now I am. So yeah, it's a good thing that I had that transition period. Well, if someone's listening right now and they, and they have an aha moment of, oh my God, I talk too much. What makes a good listener and what, what lessons can you practice to become a good listener? Well, I like that you say practice because much of success comes back to practice. So I would say Practice being intentional to close your mouth and just listen, right? Um, even if that means taking, as I show you right now, a daily checklist and writing, be intentional, be a good listener, because then it's keeping it in your conscious rather than just working in your subconscious. Um, so then when you're having conversations, you know, it might be tough at the beginning because if you're sitting there and you keep wanting to blurt out, you're at least practicing not doing that. And if you practice something enough, look at Michael Jordan, look at Tom Brady, if you practice something enough, you get good at it. Might not come overnight, but then you'll develop those uh, listening skills, which will flow through um, to all areas of life. I've even noticed one thing, a heavy component of my consulting that I do now is sales. And a lot of people think salespeople are super charismatic, really outgoing, they look the part. And funny enough, that's actually why I used to suck at sales when I first got into it, because I wasn't a good listener. And so when you do that, and you start listening and you hear what people's problems, pain points, needs are. That's when you can fill the gap rather than trying to just create a gap based on what you have.
I knew it with everything with being a good listener to the other side of the coin when you need to talk. We had started to talk about with mentoring or just getting help and solving problems in general. Ask. Could you talk more about ask? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you could talk very passionate about that. If you want anything in life, whether that's a mentor, whether it's a job, ask. As we talked about before in the book, The Go-Giver, one of the laws is the law of receptivity. And I think recipro reciprocity. That's right. That's right. There we go. And you aren't going to receive if you're not willing to open yourself up. And part of that is by asking. So if you want a mentor, for example, ask them. Figure out what you're motivated by. Figure out what you're passionate about. And leverage tools like LinkedIn to go search people in the area, in the position that you want to be in, and say, you know, be very humble. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not as competent as I want to be. I'm not as talented, et cetera, et cetera. But I want to learn. I'm willing to learn. And I respect your time and who you are. So will you please dedicate some time on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis and help me grow? And I'd be more than happy to provide value in whatever way I can. How much time do you ask for? Or would you suggest people ask for? Uh, it's always a case-by-case -case basis, but I feel like what would be a good start is maybe asking for an hour per month. You know, people are busy. Uh, maybe you might push someone away if you ask for an hour per week. I think it's a safe bet to ask for an hour per month. And, and of course, you can adjust after that. Um, yeah, I think that's a good start. And with, with LinkedIn, do you reach out like cold using in-mail like a first or if you get someone's email address or do you try and go through a friend? Ooh, always try to leverage a friend connection if you can, or a friend's parent. That might help as well. Um, but for the in-mail, you know, I, do you have to have, actually, I'll ask you, do you have to have a premium account for that, the in-mail? Yeah, you have to have a premium account for the in-mail. Okay, okay. So I think it, you, maybe you get one or two, but I think you have to have a, I know you have to have a premium account because they'll give you like 10 a month or something like that. Oh, that's right. That's right. So even if you don't have a premium account, just go connect with somebody. I know often, um, even for me personally, if I go to add someone, most people will add you back. I feel like LinkedIn isn't quite as exclusive as other personal social media, such as Facebook or Instagram. Um, especially if you have, ooh, important point, make sure to have a professional profile image. You know, something like that stands out and it's very simple, but it just shows that you're willing to go the distance to look good. And you know, not everybody has a photographer, but go to your local school, see if they have any photo shoots going on, go against a solid background, have a friend take a picture of you in a suit, just basically something that looks cleaned up and professional. But then when you reach out to someone, yeah, just shoot them a message, say, I really respect you, you look very impressive. I'd be more than happy to grab um, a little bit of your time to, to get to know you. What else would you say for a LinkedIn profile? If people are gonna be using LinkedIn, what else should they be? definitely due to their profile if they're going to be reaching out to people. Something that I, even I could take this advice as well, I need to improve in this area, is yes, it's good to put past accomplishments, but let's think about it. What is the primary tool of LinkedIn? It's to get connections and build on those. So really, nobody cares much about your past. They want to know what can happen in the future. So for example, leveraging your profile, so if somebody comes across, they can see why you would be a valuable connection, why you would be able to provide that value to them. So a specific, one of the examples that I really like to give um, is think about somebody who wants a hole drilled in their wall. 
they don't care how fancy, and this is kind of another topic, but they don't care how fancy the drill is. They just want to get the hole in the wall. So to relate that back to LinkedIn, nobody cares about all these titles and all the fancy words. If you can help them with a problem, clearly demonstrate it. It doesn't need to be paragraph on paragraph on paragraph, especially in today's world where everyone's attention span is getting shorter and shorter. Just be very deliberate and intentional with what you're on LinkedIn for. And in, in closing, and two points in closing, that the key points that we talked about. One, what would you say the most important thing about mentoring is that people need to know for the first one? For someone who is looking for the mentoring or someone who is doing the mentoring? Either one. Whatever's most, whatever comes to mind for you. For someone who is looking for a mentor, be humble. There's nothing worse than somebody asking for your time and being disrespectful of it. For example, show up on time, be considerate, be appreciative. Because the thing is, we, all, we are all busy. And while we all like to give to one another, if someone is giving their time to you, be respectful and, and, and appreciative of it. Of it. And then on the flip side, for someone who's looking to get into mentoring, be patient and understanding. Um, me growing up, and this is something I'm still trying to change, I was a control freak. So I always wanted things to be my way. I wanted people to think the way that I thought. And it's actually good that we have such diversity of thought because then we're not all alike, right? We don't want every single person to be like Austin McCullough in this world. Um, so it's really good to just understand that people think in a different way and that's completely okay. And the last thing for, for, as far as self-awareness goes, same question. What's the most important thing people need to know about it? Self-awareness can only be increased by taking time to yourself. So the problem is people... I even put my phone away so I don't grab it, but people are always being bombarded by messages, social media alerts, notifications on their phone. And they're also always surrounding them by other people. As humans, yeah, we need to be around other people, but it's important to, on a daily basis, dedicate time to yourself. That doesn't mean you have to be by yourself every single day, all day, every day, but take time to yourself to think about your thinking. I said this actually in a post on uh, social media a few weeks ago, but when you can't go outside, go inward. And I wasn't talking about inside a house. I'm saying go inside your mind because nobody is going to be able to tru truly tell you what you want as well as you'll be able to because nobody is you. Thank you very much. That's a perfect note to close on. Thank you very much for being here, Austin. We appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. I'm, I, I love the talk. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I also hope that you'll subscribe to the Idea Climbing podcast and rate us on iTunes. Visit ideaclimbing.com to learn more about idea climbing and hear more episodes about mentoring, marketing, and big ideas.